Well, you've been talking to the Lord this morning. <clears throat> and it wasn't just, you know, God, help the family get ready so we get there on time. <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> um, that's why God blessed Jill and I with two cars. Uh, <laughs> will I pay for that remark? <laughs> hey, I'm in... <laughs> You know how far I'm in debt? <laughs> yes, my mouth, my voice. So you've been talking to the Lord by worshiping him. You've been telling him how great he is and how wonderful he is. Did God say anything back to you? Well, that got quiet. <clears throat> I choose to believe he did because he's a God that's an alive God. God that loves you deeply loves to communicate with his people, with his family, with his children. And so we gave him worth by worshiping him and talking to him. And then he wants to talk back. He wants to minister to us. Uh, I've seen people get saved in a worship service in, just during the worship, healed. during. It's, it's a wonderful thing. To really believe that you can talk to God, that he hears you and he speaks back to you. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So if you would stand with me and we're going to have these scriptures up here. This is out of the 14th chapter of John. And if you'd read with me, please. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom he cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. So, Father, we come to you. And we say we are your servants. Help us to understand your statutes, your words. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. January 1st, 1984, uh, my pregnant wife, whose name is Jill, um, she was on time. We were in an airplane. And uh, my 10-year-old son uh, we're descending out of the clouds into Harare, Zimbabwe. And the Lord had called us to go and, and to teach there. And we both clearly heard the voice of the Lord. And, and we responded. And we went. Um, but as we were coming down out of those clouds, uh, I saw thatched roof huts out in the area just before we got to the main city there. And I was looking at all of that. We'd never been there. I'd only spoken with a leader of the ministry one time. 
that was um, that we spoke in depth. Uh, we didn't know where we were going to live. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do other than teach. Uh, a lot of things were pretty vague, except for the voice of the Lord that told us to go. And that was very clear and very real to us. And as we were descending and I was looking at those huts, I went, what have I gotten myself into here? And I could feel some fear come over me. And clearly the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I'm the God of Zimbabwe the same way I am the God of the United States. And I I just felt at peace. Because the voice, my father was with me. And he's here. He was there waiting for me. He's omnipresent. He's God. He's everywhere. And as we landed and walked down the steps to the tarmac and into the terminal to go through customs and immigration, our paperwork wasn't done yet. And the people just said, come, you know, they expected me to hear from God and not to worry. And we got through. I didn't know who was picking us up. And there the leader of the ministry was with a car and a truck and flipped our suitcases in it because going to stay two years. So we brought a few extra suitcases and drove to this house, and we didn't know where we were going to live. And they, there was a two-bedroom stucco block house there, brickle block house. And Jill and I, amen, we got a place to stay. And they looked at me kind of confused and a little upset and said, didn't you think we were going to take care of you? Ooh. <laughs> and off they went. And they had left us a chicken and some bananas in the refrigerator. <laughs> and I was all alone. Uh-huh. And I counted on the father speaking to me and be with me. And he was. And I woke up the next morning and we didn't have a car yet or that. And I thought it'd be nice if we, I like groceries. And so out the door, I went on my own. And I started to walk around the neighborhood to see what was there. Um, And I was at home in this other country. And one of the few white people there, right? I was at home because my father was with me. And I could hear his voice. You see, I trusted my earthly father. My dad was a big talker. Okay? Um, You knew where he stood even when he was sitting down. Uh, and so he was a big talker and he and I got along well after I got saved and grew up a little bit and and but he unequivocally loved me and would support me and was there for me and I knew he'd move heaven and earth if I needed help a lot of you people are like that for your kids you love them like that Um, but now I'm thousands of miles away I can't hear his voice This is before everybody had a PC, and Al Gore did the internet. (laughs) Was that a cheap shot? (laughs) He said it. (laughs) But um, this is before cell phones, and everybody had them. They were a few, you know, they were big things. You know, if I I wanted to communicate with my earthly father, uh, the best way was... Airmail letter, you remember those? A thin sheet of paper, you'd write on one side, fold the doggone thing up, put a stamp on it, and that was supposed to go faster. Well, it took weeks to get to the United States and weeks to get an answer back. You could place a long-distance phone call, um, but you had to call the operator, 
and set a time for the next day or the day after, and you'd wait by your phone at that time, be there an hour early, an hour, you, you never know when the come, call would come, or if it would call to hear my father's voice. And the reason I wanted to hear my father's voice, I wanted to express my love to him, but I wanted to hear his love and support. When I heard his voice, I felt encouraged. Uh, but I've seldom heard his voice because it was so hard to communicate to him. And I knew he wouldn't come to visit me, even though he wanted to. He desperately wanted to come to Africa. Um, but he had made a commitment to his mother, who, my grandmother, who was in a nursing home, who'd had a stroke, and she couldn't walk and she couldn't speak. And she, like my dad, was a big talker. Like my dad, unequivocally loved me. And dad would go to the nursing home every single day to speak to his mother, to touch her, let him, let her feel his presence and his love for her to try to encourage her with his voice, with his touch. And sometimes he'd go two or three times a day to that nursing home. And when uh, I would go down and visit, uh, I'd drive to the nursing home first, down in Centerville in Hickman County. And I'd go to the nursing home to see my grandmother you know, and I had to build myself up before I entered into the room because she was laying there. And as soon as you walk in, her eyes would get real big. And uh, I'd talk to her, tell her what was going on, tell her how wonderful my wife was and how timely she was. And, <laughs> and I'd touch my grandmother, okay? And she'd just grin at me, and she'd try to talk, and she couldn't. And then you'd see these little tears come in. And that, okay, the presence of somebody who loves you and is trying to communicate with you, okay? We all need that, and we need that encouragement from people uh, that just don't give you this word thing, <laughs> but their lives are there for you. And that's what God tries to do with us. You're not alone. He knows you, and he knows you very well. We laugh about the scripture, he knows every hair on our head. That's really important that he knows every hair. He's trying to show you how intimate he is with you and knowing you. And to be able to speak to you and to encourage you that you're not alone. Now let me give you the context of the scriptures that we read and we're going to continue to read. Um, this is the Passover time with the disciples. Great time for the Jews to celebrate um, their redemption from slavery in Israel. And they knew it took the blood of the lamb, didn't it? And the freedom. And they were brought out of Egypt free, led by Moses, who what? Who heard the voice of the Lord and was led by the Lord. And the Lord's presence was there, cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. The cloud would descend on the tabernacle and Moses would go talk to God face to face. He'd bring the words of God out to the people and minister to them. Uh, God's presence eventually ended up in the Holy of Holies. He was with his people. Um, but things changed, didn't they? So they were celebrating the Passover meal. And so Jesus had come, and in this, he had washed their feet. I'm your master and your teacher. I'm setting an example for you. This is how you serve. This is how you love. Follow this example. I'm speaking to you. I'm showing you 
how to do this. The disciples are concerned about who's going to sit at his right hand and his left hand. Uh, Satan had entered into the heart of Judas and he betrayed him, even after Jesus washed in his feet, trying to express his love to him. Um, and off he goes. <clears throat> and so this brings us into the context then, if you'd open your Bibles to the 13th chapter of John and the passage of Scripture we're going to be leading into, Jesus is trying to explain to them what's happening because in a short time, Jesus is going to be gone. They've been walking for over three years with him. They've been hearing his voice. He's been trying to point them to the Father all the time. This is what the Father's like. This is what the Father's like. This is what the Father is saying. This is how I'm just speaking what I've heard from him and what I've seen from him. And he keeps trying to explain it. They're having trouble grasping this, just as people have trouble grasping it today. But he keeps on speaking to them and trying to help them. And let's look at the reaction of the disciples, because it's the same for us today. So in the 13th chapter of John, after he's done these things, let's pick it up in the 33rd verse. And he says, little children... I am with you a little while longer. You shall seek me. And as I said to the Jews, I now say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Boy, oh boy, he's setting them up. He's telling them the truth. He's telling them something pretty scary. I'm leaving and you can't come. And look at the responses. He goes on to say, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. And he's just shown them by washing the feet that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one one for another. And then Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow later. Peter said, boy, he's getting anxious. Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. And the other gospels talk about the other disciples said the same thing that they would do. And Jesus answered and said, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a cock shall not crow until you deny me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. Right into chapter 14. He's trying to comfort Peter. Don't be troubled by this. I'm going. You can't follow me now, but don't be troubled. I don't want you to worry. And now he's going to explain why you don't worry. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. A place for you. The first place that Jesus went was to the cross. A place for us. Where he took all our sin. Where that battered, stripped, beaten body nailed to a cross crown of thorns on his head. He went to that place, in our place. In that place, he became the door to the kingdom that we could pass through, a kingdom of righteousness and joy. But you don't go into a kingdom of righteousness covered in sin. And so he goes, as we took communion and remembered his broken body, his shed blood for our sin, that we might have a robe of righteousness, that our sins would come white as snow, that I could really enter into the kingdom and not be rejected, not be pushed back, a place for us. And sure, I'm going to go to the Father. 
I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come and get you again. You see, this is just not for funerals. This is for us every single day. A place, a place with our Father who speaks to us, who loves us. I'm really not too concerned about mansions and rooms. I want to be with the Father. I want to be in his place with him. We have a place on earth with him. And that's why it doesn't matter where in the world we are. It's who we're with. Our Father, who said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you all the time. And he's trying to tell Peter this and the disciples. Because he's going to send them everywhere. And they won't run. They'll die like him. Because they're with him. And they had no doubt about their future. A future that was eternal. They were living eternity while they were on the face of the earth. And believing like that. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you for myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way that I am going. Watch Thomas now. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How are we supposed to know the way? He's concerned. I don't know. Which way? Point the way. No GPS back then, God's positioning system. What's the way? And Jesus said, I am. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, come by me. And no one comes to the Father but through me. No wonder he prepared a place for us. We had to go through him to get to the Father. Do you see it in Scripture? Do you see what he's trying to help Thomas with? With me. With me, Thomas. The way and the truth and the life. This is why he asks us to live like this, the way of Jesus in his truth, with the life that he gives us. That's our way here on earth, to get to the Father. That's why when you live like that, your prayer life is so strong, you feel close to him. When you're disobedient, you struggle with your prayer life. You trouble talking with God because you feel burdened with it. If you have known me, you would have known my Father also, and now you know him and have seen him. Philip said, boy, this is Philip's turn. Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough. I haven't seen the Father, Philip is saying. Now show us. And here comes Jesus. (laughs) Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? You've seen him. You've seen him through me. Everything I've said, everything I've done is because the Father has told me. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 1. God, after he had spoken long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by his word of his power. And when he had made purifications of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus speaking the words of the Father and Jesus being the exact representation of who the Father is. Exactly. If you've seen Jesus, you know what God is like. 
You know exactly what it's like because Jesus is exactly like him. And Jesus has created all things with him, this universe, and his words, his words, his voice sustains this world right now. And his voice sustains you. And that's why he wants you to hear his voice, to sustain you, to walk close with him, to be able to walk in the way and the truth and really walk in life here on this earth. Rather than drudgery day in and day out, filled with fear, these disciples are fearful because they feel our leader is not going to be there for us. What are we going to do now? And they showed it after he was crucified. They all hid behind locked door. They were fear. They were afraid. Life changed when Jesus was raised from the dead, and it fulfills Romans chapter one. He was shown to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. When they saw a raised Christ, it changed their lives. And they believed, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They weren't afraid anymore. They'd speak Jesus, be beaten by the priests and the temple soldiers, go to Caiaphas' house, don't do it again, don't share Jesus. Out they'd go straight back to the temple. They're not afraid anymore. They're filled with God's Spirit. God's with them, and they know it. And his word touches our hearts, affects us. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing us for the division of our soul and our spirit, of joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It really shows it to you in your heart. God's word is alive. That's what it says here. That's why we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus looked Satan in the eye and said that to him. This is God's word right here, cover to cover. It's his words. And we live by him. He's also given us the Holy Spirit as we're going to continue to see. And he speaks through the spirit to us. We've got his word. We've got the spirit. It matches all the time. The better you know this word, the better you recognize the voice of the spirit. It's the same thing. It's the same spirit. It's the same God. It's the same Jesus. That's why we emphasize the scripture so much. I don't care anymore about men's opinions. What does the word say? When the Lord keeps convicting me about my opinions. Well, this is your opinion, but what does the word say? That's the way, the truth, and the life, Bruce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me read it again. <laughs> and again. Let me read it again. Let me read it again. Because I need to know the way. I need to have some life down here. I need to have truth. Everything else is temporary, and so much of it is fake. So, it's supposed to show me the intentions of my emotions and my spirit and the intentions in my heart. One of the examples would be the two men on the road to Emmaus when Jesus had been raised from the dead and he starts walking with these men and they are really forlorn. They're worried. They're worried. What are we going to do? Why are you like this? Well, they've crucified Jesus and they've buried him and they didn't recognize him. And so Jesus began with Moses, in other words, the first five books of the Bible. And he started to share with them out of the scriptures who he was and where he was all through the scriptures. And he taught them all. And eventually the scales fell from their eyes and they reckoned, oh, it's the Lord. And then he was gone. And then they said, 
You'll find it in the 24th chapter of Luke, he said. The, the men looked at each other and said, did not our hearts burn when he shared the scriptures with us? It was moving and active in their hearts. It's real. In Hebrews, again, we can see Jesus, or the writer, speaking about the Father, saying that God is not going to remember our sins anymore, as far as the east is to the west. And he'll write his laws upon our heart. You see, when it's in our heart, we can do it because we're motivated by love. You know, my parents did that. They always didn't agree with me, but they were sure motivated to try to help me because they loved me. And this is our Lord who writes in your heart, who speaks to your heart. And he's looking for a response from your heart. Let's go back to John chapter 14. And I'm going to pick it up in uh, verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father the Father is in me, otherwise believe on the account of the works themselves. Look at my life. That's why our life, our testimony is important. Our words and our testimony are supposed to match. And I am all for, use words and actions. They go together. Faith without works is dead. So you take your faith, you read the word of God, you hear the spirit in your heart, you put it into practice. That's an alive faith. It's just not, I believe and I don't do anything. Get involved because God is involved with you. He never will leave us or forsake us. That's what Jesus did. He said, you're struggling with my words? Look at my life. That'll prove it. It'll show it. Truly, truly, I say to you, who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to be with the Father. Now, what can we do greater than Jesus? If you can answer that, we're going to back up the Bible bus <laughs> and have you answer that again. We can't do anything greater than our Savior, but there was one of him, and there's millions of us. Oh, there should be great things happening all over the place with believers. That's what he said. And so in that, we continue to look to him, follow him, be obedient to his words, and he goes on to say, and whatever I ask in my, uh, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him now or know him. But you know him because he abides in you and will be in you. So he's trying to encourage his disciples. Already he said, Philip, Thomas, Peter, we don't know the way. What's happening here? Which way are you going? What do you mean we can't follow you now? And he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. He's going to share with us a little more about this. It's, I need to go so you can have the helper. I'm going to send you the spirit. And this spirit is going to be with you forever. Do you think he sends you a spirit that doesn't speak? What kind of God is that? Our God speaks. It says he speaks through Jesus Christ. And he speaks through his spirit to us all the time. 
He is not a God made of stone, wood. He's not a God that it takes men to pick him up and move it when you replace the carpet. He's a God that says, I will live with you. So it's up to us then. Are we going to acknowledge that he's living with us, that he's in us? I believe your word. I'm going to take this truth. Jesus said, I'm the truth. I'm giving you the truth. Will you believe the truth? Some of the most difficult times in your life and in my life is when you discover someone's lied to you. You've made decisions on things that they've said. You've made decisions on promises they've given you. And then it all unravels. It's very upsetting. It destabilizes your life. Jesus said, I'm the truth. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I am going to be with you through the Holy Spirit, and he is going to be with you as a helper. Isn't it a wonderful thing that one of the names of the Holy Spirit, just one of the names, is a helper, a real helper? Did you ever have your children, when they were little, try to help you do something? <laughs> well, it's not quite like that, <laughs> but you love having them there. But when there's somebody that comes to help you that's totally gifted, can really follow through what they say, that can really do something that you can't, oh, isn't it great to have a helper like that? And so much more is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Help you, help me and that he will live in us. And that what? Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He was trying to really help the disciples. I'm not going to leave you alone. Satan loves to use fear against people and tell them you're alone. There's nobody to help you. Fear. Paul tried to minister to Timothy and help him that way. Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you power, love, and a sound mind. You've got the Holy Spirit, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. You've got the love of God within you, much more love than your own. And I've given you a sound mind. Yes, you can recognize the voice of the Lord. You can acknowledge him. That's you. Just like when Jesus showed up and Peter said, it's the Lord out there. And over the side of the boat, he goes, okay. He recognized him. He could see him. And you do. I think many times you've heard from the voice of the Lord and you took it as your own voice. You've just taken or your conscience. Oh, it's the voice of the Lord. That's why you need to know the word because you'll recognize his voice. He keeps saying the same thing in his word and through his spirit to you and to lead a spirit-led life, not alone, with him as one of his children. Romans tells us what? Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're his children. Many times in my life, I've had the Holy Spirit say, watch it, Bruce. You don't need to get depressed here. You don't need to doubt here. You're saved. It took the blood of Christ to save you, Bruce. And I go, yes, it did. I believe that. And you're his children. You've been moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life. God knows your name. It's written down in the Lamb's book of life. 
Jesus is preparing a place for you there. You're his child, and your God will never die. My earthly father died. In 2004, I have not heard a word from my father since 2004. But in my walk with the Lord, as I've grown, I remember things my father has told me. A few things. <laughs> but my heavenly father has far more supplanted my earthly father. And my heavenly father will never die. My heavenly father will always love me. My heavenly father will always correct me. He's making plans for me, and he's got the power to do anything that he feels that I need. And that's why he asks us, don't worry here. If we go into Matthew, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about it. Your father knows you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In your relationship with him, have it right. And he's going to give you all these things. Your work is to believe on the one he sent. Your meat is to do his will and to be fulfilled by him by doing his will. He doesn't want to leave you alone. You're not an orphan. You never will be an orphan. I've known people who've lost family members and felt alone. I watched my mother after my dad died. And I tried to get down to Centerville at least once a week. And to see her because she was in that house all by herself. Well, she wasn't by herself. She had Biscuit, this dog here. <laughs> she wanted a little dog, but we ended up with Biscuit. And she wanted the dog to be in her lap. And Biscuit, boy, when he got in her lap, uh, those Biscuits were made with lard. I mean, the dog was like, like this. But the hardest thing for her is to be in that house alone. And she, she would struggle with depression. She had a picture of my brother over the fireplace who had died when he was 20. And I go, she just wouldn't take it down. And um, she was alone. That's why I kept trying to get down there. Now she knew the Lord, but she struggled with feeling alone. Struggled with, you know, can I keep my life going here? You know, can, can, am I going to be able to keep driving? You know, can I balance my checkbook? All those things. And I kept, Mom, we're going to help you with all of these things. But my saying it wasn't enough, so I get, I just, you know what it's like to try to minister to your mother to trust God? But I know that was the way and the truth and the life of my mother. That's, I could do a lot of things, but I needed her to hear the voice of the Lord herself. And she would read her Bible, and it helped her a lot. You're not an orphan. So let me move on here. So he goes on to say, in verse 19, after a little while, while the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me because I live, you shall live also. And in that day, you shall know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. He who uh, has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father and I will love him and I will disclose myself in him. And Judas Iscariot, here's another disciple now, uh, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and the father will love him and we will come to him and our abode with him. 
And he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you heard is not mine, but the Father who sent me. But these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I live with you. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And I want to just read a few verses out of John 16. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Do you see the passage here? What's going on? Do you see the content? Sorrow, worry, doubt has filled all of the disciples. And Jesus is trying to address all of this. He's trying to help them with all of it. It worked. And it'll work for you. The scriptures will work for you because you won't do the scriptures by yourself. The Lord's given you the Holy Spirit to help you live the words out. He knows you can't do it on your own, but you better be led. You better be guided. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. The helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. And I have many more things to say, but you can't bear them now. But he, the spirit of truth, will come and guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears. Where from? The Father. He will speak and he will disclose it to you. How can you be guided by the Holy Spirit unless the Holy Spirit speaks to you? You can't be. Jesus asked us to pray. And one of the part of what he told us to pray is, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. How are you going to be led unless you're hearing, unless you're seeing? God's got this all set and wants to do this in your life. If you will love him, obey him, keep his commandments, All these things will flow for you. That's what he says right here. That's how you hear from the Lord, through his word and through the spirit. And then it's your choice whether to obey. And he'll speak, you know, big thing we heard from God, go to Africa. That's just one thing. God speaks to us all the time. He speaks to me all the time. And he convicts me of my sins sometimes. A month ago, I had something I really struggled with. I had heard about and it made me angry. And for two days, I thought about it, had all those vain imagination conversations you have. And finally, after two days, the Lord said, Bruce, you don't believe I'm big enough to take care of you. And I went, oh, Lord, (laughs) you're always right. Thank God you're a man. Um, A little side note. And as soon as I agreed with God, and I went, yeah, he really is. All this doesn't matter. The whole thing melted away. It hasn't bothered me since. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Joel Exley. And then I walked away and was walking over here towards the sanctuary. And the Lord said, that was wrong what you said. I went straight over to Joel at the Welcome Center, and he welcomed me. And I said, Joel, I need to repent. What I said to you was not right. And Joel said, I'm not sure why you have to repent. And I said, you don't need to be. (laughs) This is me. I'm not going in that sanctuary knowing that I sinned. Sinned with my voice, with my words. And he said, well, I forgive you. (sighs) Into the sanctuary I went. I felt good. And last week, Barbie and I were talking. 
and just everyday conversation. And I said something and instantly I heard the Lord say, that's not right. And instantly I said to Barbie, that's not right. <laughs> uh, why? I didn't want to carry it. I wanted to be obedient. And I'm thinking, when am I ever going to learn? Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The sheep know my voice. And they won't follow something else. They'll only follow my voice. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know his voice. He speaks to you. He speaks to you all the time. And he's guiding you. This is the way. This is my second closing. (laughs) I'm taking my shot here. My desire for you as one of your pastors is for you to hear the voice of God, for you to be led by him, for you to have peace in him and to say, I have a good shepherd that's guiding me and he's speaking to me. So then this becomes a reality today, not at your funeral, but today because I hear your voice, Lord. And this is what you are doing for me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And yo, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, none. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall dwell with me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Dwelling in the house of the Lord is dwelling in his place with him. We can do that now. Now. And to live a life where we're always led by a good shepherd, a shepherd that's speaking to us, so he can guide us and so he can lead us so we can be at peace because my shepherd is good. You stand with me, please. So as we close here, I know the Lord has spoken to you. I have no doubt. And a lot of it, I just read the scriptures and let the scriptures speak to you. But today, if the Lord has spoken to you and you've never said yes I want you as my good shepherd. I want you as my savior. I got no place that I'm going. I'm not going to make it to heaven. Because I am a sinner. I have not acknowledged you. That can change today. Because you've heard the Lord's voice in your heart. And your heart is burned according to scripture. You can come forward and people will pray for you. You will hear the voice of the Lord through the people that will pray for you. And then any other thing you'd want prayer for. If you'd like to share with somebody. Um, they will pray for you. You want to be encouraged to grow and to hear more from the Lord in the Word. Let them pray for you. So come, respond to the voice of the Lord.